Chapter Seven of Short Stories for Short People. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Christine G. Short Stories for Short People by Alicia Stewart Aspinwall. Chapter Seven. Lucia, the Organ Maiden. Never had Pietro Pitti turned out such a wonderful hand organ, and that is saying a great deal. It had been made by a new man, who had come from the cold north country, and who had been with Pity but a short time. He begged to be allowed to make the organ himself. "'I have an idea,' he said, "'which, if I can but carry out, will make you famous, master.' "'I have fame already,' was the proud answer. "'Ah, but there is always one step higher, master.' "'Make the organ, then, as you will, northerner,' said Signor Pity, and the young man had done so. This day it was finished, and was to be tried for the first time. Signor and Signora Pitti and the children, four small Pittises, were present, while the workmen stood in the background expectant, and many pairs of black eyes were fixed eagerly upon the hand-organ which was brought in by the northerner. The covering cloth was removed. The organ was made of selected rosewood, which Signor Pitti always used, and was beautifully polished. But it differed from all the other organs, for in front was a glass window, through which you looked into a beautiful little room hung with soft pink satin. "'A doll's room! A saloon!' cried the younger Signora Pitti. At the back of this room, at one side, was a door. "'Well, well,' said Signor Pitti. "'But what?' "'Patience, master, for a moment,' said the northerner, and began to turn the handle of the organ. It played a march through, well and clearly, and in perfect time, but then all Signor Pitti's organs did that. Next it played, La Bella Napoli. Signora and Signora smiled, for they loved their Naples, and liked to hear its praises. Then the door at the back of the small organ-room opened slowly, and out came a most exquisite doll about ten inches high. She was dressed in pink, and had long flowing hair, and it was really hard to decide whether her cheeks were pinker than her smile was broad, or her smile broader than her cheeks were pink. They were both unmistakable. Coming forward, she bowed very low to her audience, and as they saw nothing of the spring in her back, or the wire that made her do so, they all bowed politely in return, for it really seemed as if she must be alive. Then slowly, gracefully, the little creature danced around her pink drawing-room in perfect time to the music. When that was finished, she bowed once more, the door at the back opened, and she disappeared. The Pitti family were delighted. "'Bella! Bella! Wonderful!' they cried, and the northerner's fortune was made from that day. The organ was sold to one Paolo Cello for quite a large sum of money, and Lucia, the little dancing lady, danced every day in beautiful Naples, before hundreds of people, and wherever she appeared, crowds of admirers applauded her. Sometimes Paolo and she would go to some of the villas in the neighbourhood, where she danced tirelessly, under trees laden with big yellow oranges, and with flowers of all colours and kinds growing about her. One day they went to Pompeii, and there, outside its ruined walls, Lucia danced for some foreigners, in full sight of a big mountain out of which smoke was coming forever, forever. Lucia danced and Vesuvius smoked, each attending to its own business. But whenever Lucia danced, whether before strangers or dark-skinned Italians, the result was the same, admiration. And Paolo came to love the little creature almost as if she were alive, and took the best care of her. 
The window of her dancing-room, and the room itself, were spotless, the machinery well oiled, and Paolo was always very careful to play her music in good time, neither too fast nor too slow. In dancing so much depends upon the music, you know. Ah, those happy days! They were too good to last, and they didn't. One day Paolo was taken ill. "'We can't go out today, little Lucia,' he said. He often talked to her as if she was truly alive, and as she didn't know she wasn't, perhaps it was just as well. Worse and worse grew Paolo, as he lay upon his narrow bed in his one small room. Gradually the stock of money which he and Lucia had earned dwindled, disappeared. One by one the bits of furniture had to be sold. Then came a dreadful day when Paolo pulled up the little window and spoke to Lucia. "'It almost breaks my heart,' he said. "'But we must part, you and I. I am penniless. A man has offered me a big sum for you, but I have parted with everything else first, Lucia mia.' And the poor fellow pointed round the room, which was indeed quite empty save for the bed and organ. "'But if I live I shall work hard and try to buy you back again.' "'Remember that, Lucia.' Then Paolo stopped and kissed her, and no one but he and she knew of that big hot tear which fell on her cheek. Later a man knocked at the door, gave money to Paolo, and took the organ away. Then followed unhappy years for poor Lucia. Not at her new master, Antonio, was unkind. He was simply a very careless, untidy man. He left the organ standing in cold places, where the wind crept in and chilled her. Once he left the organ for a while in the street on a stormy day, and the rain came in through a crack in the case, and ripped on her pretty pink cheeks. The collar ran, and poor Lucia was greatly mortified, and looked it too. Sometimes Antonio played much too fast, and Lucia was, of course, obliged to dance fast, which, as she was a person of much natural dignity, was very repulsive to her. Sometimes the master forgot to even oil the machine, and once he put in too much oil so much that it oozed out over the floor, and poor Lucia's pretty pink slippers were ruined, which, as she was an extremely dainty little thing, hurt her feelings dreadfully. But worse was to follow. Antonio, who was quite old, gave up the business and sold the organ to a man named Pietro Nolli, who took it to America. For ten days poor Lucia was put in a dark, dark place on the big steamer, when she heard the most awful roaring noises, and was tossed up and down from side to side, till she really longed to die. She thought of Paolo, and wondered if he had died, and if not, whether she would ever see him again. It comforted her somewhat to remember that he had said he would try and find her and buy her back again. At last she reached America, and then followed a year of wretched life to the poor dancer. Nothing was done for her. The machinery was broken and not mended. The organ was sadly out of tune, but Pietro neither noticed nor cared. The dust collected in the little drawing-room. The window grew cloudy, but for that Lucia was glad, for she was ashamed of the dirty room, and also, alas, of her dancing. She was older and had rheumatism, for she was not used to the colder climate of America, and so she danced in quite a stiff jerky way that would have been funny if it had not been so sad. However, People still seemed to like to see her dance, and crowded about the organ whenever she began. One bitterly cold day, Lucia, her bones aching, was about to make her bow when she felt something snap in her back, and instead of bowing forward, she bowed backward. It was with the greatest difficulty that she stood upright again, and went on with the dance. 
but from that time on she always bowed the same way, backward and not forward. She had no idea how very funny she looked, and when she heard the shout from the people who were watching her, she supposed, of course, it was a shout of delight, such as she had heard many times in her life, and her poor little cold heart warmed at the sound. One day, by accident, her window was broken, and of course not mended. So poor Lucia had to dance in her drawing-room with the dust and bitter, biting cold blowing in through the hole. It was a frightful experience for her, with her rheumatism, and dressed in the thinnest of thin tulls with no underclothes to speak of. Through the cruel hole she could now hear the people talking about her, but instead of the words of praise she had heard all her life, she found that they were laughing at her, making fun of her. At this poor Lucia was almost broken-hearted. It seemed to her the very worst blow of all. She now no longer tried to dance her best, or even to keep up with the squeaky music, and one day she fell very ill, and began to go slower and slower, and was about to stop altogether, and never dance again, when she suddenly saw looking at her, through the window, a face that she knew, a dear face with kind tender eyes, eyes that were full of tears. She heard a voice, a long unheard voice, saying, "'Lucia, cara mia, Lucia, tis I, your Paolo, I have found you at last.' And then the little dancer heard no more, for she fainted and fell on the floor of the room. Five dollars did Paolo give to Pietro for the organ, and then the old happy days began once more. The machinery was mended, the organ thoroughly made over by Paolo, who understood well his business. Lucia was beautiful and warmly dressed in rich crimson velvet. Her dignity, grace, and youth came back again, and she danced as before for Paolo, and put her whole heart into it. I saw her only yesterday. I advise you to look carefully at every hand-organ you meet, and perhaps you may see her too. End of chapter 7